0: Hi hey guys, good morning, a new week uh, We are starting with the very, very bottom of Kaf, Gimel, Am, Aleph, where the uh, Gemara is commenting back on the Mishnah, the Mishnah says bait So it's talking about the process of uh, um, transmitting the information through the lighting of torches, that the new month had been declared so the place was, the last place in Eretz Israel was Beit Baltin the so Gemara says, my Beit Baltin, when is this place? So, um so Amar Rav, Rav says Zobiram. It's a place called Biram. Okay. Um, the Gemara says My Gola. So the, the it says that the whole Gola ends up getting lit, lit up. So it doesn't mean the whole Gola because it can't possibly mean literally the entire Gola. That like the whole world, you know, was transmitting fires all over the place. Like you know, New Zealand like has uh, has fires. That doesn't make any sense. So um, Amar Rav Yosef Zo Pumpadita." When it says the whole Gola, it means a major city in Baville. Okay, Kam Mike and Medurat Ish what does it mean in the mission that says that the whole place lit up like a big bonfire? What does it mean? Obviously they didn't torch the whole city and like light it all up. So Tana Kola Khabakha no telovukabia dove Roshka go. So they taught that each individual person or whoever saw it would then light a torch and go up to the rooftop. So if you looked from far away, since all the, they had all these torches on each of the rooftops, so it would look like the whole city is burning, but that's not what really was happening. Okay, Tanya Rabbeinu Shimon ben Elazar Rabbi Shimon ben taught us in the in the So it wasn't only uh, Pompidita, but there's also, excuse me, it wasn't only these these uh, these cities that the Mishnah mentioned that uh, uh, where they lit the fires, but there's also other places like Harim and Kayer and Gader and its neighbors, um, like neighboring towns. So the question is, whether did Rabbeinu ben mean? So the Gemara says, Amri, Some say, some says um, some say that these cities that he mentioned were like in between towns um, from the cities that were mentioned in the Mishnah. So instead of just like those few cities, there were more steps along the way. They just mentioned a couple of those steps, but there there would be more steps along the way. Uh, and, and some say it wasn't that they're you know on the same. Lines, so to speak, on the way towards Bavel, but rather there were, um, there, were there was uh, the ones in the Mishnah were only on the one side of Eretz Yisrael, and uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Laiz was mentioning other ones. So as the explains now, Mar one master, one opinion, Chashiv uh, included or uh, talked about uh, the high gisa, he called it on one side. Mar Chashiv the high and one talked about the other side. Meaning the Americans were like so par- imagine like parallel uh, lines that would spread towards Bavel, but on different sides of the country. So one way is uh, is the way the Mishnah recorded it, and another way is the way Rav Shuma and the Lazar recorded it, but the functional point is the same. So Rav Yochanan says, between each of the cities that the Mishnah mentions, uh, there were eight parsas. So kamahavalahu, so how many is that total? Tlatim so v'tardins, that ends up to be 32 parsas, with so uh, the four different places. four says but nowadays... Uh, That's much more than 32 parsas from those uh, separating those places. So Amar um, Bayeh, Bayeh explains, Ista Tumi, Ista Tumla, Kedarche. Bai says, no, the, the roads got closed up, meaning that the the path from one city to the next um, was maybe closed up and a new route perhaps was formed. And whereas maybe the previous path um, was uh, only 32 parsas, if you add them all up, under um, the new, let's say, construction or the new uh, designation of the paths, of the roads, then it took a little bit longer so you know you used to you know you could say like you know as a crow flies it's this distance right as a crow flies it means if you don't have to worry about anything in between so uh, you can go to much shorter distance, but if you have to go practically, you have to wind around. You know, like for instance, just a, I'll give a personal example. Like when I where I live in Efrat, for me to get to the exit of Erfurt from my house, if I just like you know shot an arrow, so to speak, or a bird went directly, it's very very close. But because of the windy streets and the mountains sort of it's on the hills of Efrat, so you have to have kind of wind around all those different roads because the way the they construct roads through mountains is very very windy. So it takes much longer than the actual distance. So I guess that's what I'm suggesting. Also explains the difference between statement of the 8th part of the 32 parsa, uh, versus the reality that, that they uh, understood. And if the Pesach that supports us, as the Pesach says, I'm going to uh, uh, hedge off your paths with Sirim with thorns. Meaning that one of the punishments, one of the signs of galut, is that the, path, the, the roads are not going to be as, uh, as direct Rav Nacho Mar Yitzchak, Amar Meach, Rav Nacho Mar Yitzchak, we a different pasuk, as it says, "Nitivotai Ava, my roads are crooked. Okay, so it's again a sign of the Galut. Okay, that takes us to the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah tells us about what would happen when these uh, witnesses or potential witnesses would gather on Shabbat um, to potentially give testimonies. The Mishnah tells us, There was a big courtyard in Yerushalayim, it was called the Beit Ya'azak. Um, I'm, I'm emphasizing the ayin here, ya, ya'azak, because you'll see the, in the Gemara there will be a little bit of a discussion about the pronunciation. Um, so it's, a, it's called ya'azak, and that's where all the aidim, all the witnesses would gather together. And the beitim would check them out there. And they made a big meals for them in this place. In order that they should be uh, regulars, right? So they should come regularly because, of, you know, if the experience was pleasant, so they'd want to come. Uh, If it was less pleasant, they wouldn't want to come so much. They want to bring them back. So everyone would say, you know, like if... uh You happen to see the moon, but you're like, you know, the whole experience of giving testimony was kind of awful, so maybe you would be less inclined to go uh, testify. But if you say, I'm going to get this awesome meal, so maybe it's worthwhile, you know. So So originally, when people would get to that place, so remember, they were allowed to be Mechalel Shabbat in order to go. And one of the things, one of the elements of Chilul Shabbat, presumably, that they had to do was going outside Tchum Shabbat. Tchum Shabbat means you can leave the city limits, uh, 2,000 amot in in, uh, in either direction of where you are uh, staying that, that Shabbat. Um, so presumably they'd have to go much farther than that. But once you get, that's the case, once you get to that place, you really wouldn't be allowed theoretically to leave, to go anymore. I mean, they're they're, they're permitting the violation of Shabbat for the purpose of giving testimony. But once you got to this courtyard, you really should have no permission to go anywhere outside the courtyard. But... What we see right now is, but after that, so Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel instituted that even though they had already sort of done their purpose, and tactically speaking they should not be allowed to travel anymore, he permitted them, uh, he instituted the halacha that they should be permitted to walk another 2,000 amot in any direction, as though they had been staying there the entire Shabbat. And not only in this case, in the case of the people who are testifying about the new moon, even a midwife who comes to to help a, a woman give birth, or somebody who comes to save someone from a fire, or from troops. Who are attacking? I mean, or from a river. I mean, a from an avalanche, or something. They are considered to be like the people, the people of the city. And they get another two thousand amot in every direction. Again, presumably, the idea here is similar to what we mentioned the other day—that uh, this idea that we're allowing people who are coming for very legitimate reasons, and we have a there for them to do to violate Shabbat in the, in the in the coming. So we allow them to have a certain amount of leeway in terms of their behavior. Uh, even afterwards, because again, you want to probably, presumably the idea is you want to encourage them to continue to do these types of things. So somebody who comes to, you know, a midwife who comes to help a woman give birth, uh, if she were not permitted the 2,000 amot, then maybe she would be more reluctant. Again, we mentioned that Ramosh Feinstein has this famous chuva about Hatzalah workers, volunteers, who uh, have to violate Shabbat to save a life and go bring someone to the hospital. But then theoretically, once they're at the hospital, there's really no need for them to uh, go home. Um, You know why should they be allowed to drive home? So Moshe permits them to drive home because he's concerned that if they're not allowed to drive home, that's they'd go somewhere Friday night or early Shabbat morning. So if they have to stay in the hospital for the next, you know, several hours. Uh, that's going to be very discouraging. Maybe they won't volunteer anymore. They're not going to want to come, or they'll get a call and they'll be hesitant to bring someone to the hospital if they're going to be so far away. So, so again, so that so that's permissible. So again, so that's a, that's a little a of a chidush, because here the mission is only telling us al pai mama. But again, it's it's a similar it's a similar concept. And uh, again, this isn't the only source, but that's uh this is an interesting application perhaps of this concept. Okay, the Gemara tells us as follows: "Beit Yazak Tnan or Beit Yazak Tnan." What is that proper pronunciation of this word? Is it with the iron or without the iron? Who cares? So the Gemara says, "Tnan Beit Yazak Tnan." Sorry, excuse me, Beit Yazak Tnan Lishna Maal If you have the word, the term Beit Azak, that's a um a nicer language. Okay, the Pasuk says, "Vayezakehu vayisaklehu," that he. Uh, like, uh, dug it in, and he removed it of stones. I mean, the idea is that that pasuk indicates an improvement in the land, or one of the ways to improve the land is to, you know, dig, dig the dirt and uh, remove the stones from the dirt. So that sounds like an improvement, meaning it sounds like the, the experience they had, and Beit Ya'azak was a very pleasant experience. O Beit Ya'azak or maybe it was uh, just without the ayin, and that's Lushnet Tzara, who, and that's a language of uh, suffering or pain, troubles, as it says, that he was tied up with azikim, like with uh, binds, or uh, like with chains, or something like that, so that implies it implies it's very negative experience, so which one is it, was it a positive or negative, so Abayah says, listen, come and listen, it says, so Abayah says, well, the mission itself seems to indicate pretty clearly, they made these big feasts for them, so that they would be Ragil." Uh, accustomed to coming. So that sounds like it's a very pleasant experience. So I think that's, that's, the mission itself seems to conclude the answer to this question that Gumar uh, is asking us. Gumar responds, well, maybe not. Maybe. In fact, there's actually two different things. I mean, maybe it's possible there were two different uh, practices. I mean, on the one hand, they provided uh, really good food, but maybe also they sort of like restricted their movement or something. It was like sort of uh, not so uh, comfortable necessarily. So it's not really clear that you can get proof from the mission, one way or the other. Okay, uh, we'll move on to the next mission. The next mission is a little more technical in terms of the uh, the viewing of the moon, so we will try to keep it somewhat simple um, as much as we can. The Gemara, the mission that says Keta both So, how do they check the witnesses? Like, what kind of questions do they ask them? So, he says, first both Kimoto So, first of all, the first pair of witnesses who come, they get checked first. Okay, and more Ketzah Ra'ita Talavana. Uh, so they bring the the, the older, let's say they're, they're more prominent of the two people. They bring him into the room first, or they bring him to the, what, know, the, the table. Who knows what? I don't know exactly what the setup was. And they uh, they asked him, uh, "Tell us, you know, how did you see the uh, how did you see the moon? Do you see it before the sun or after the sun? We'll have to try, we'll have to explain this soon. Okay, before or after the sun? Let's phonea drama to the north or to the south of the sun." How high was the moon? In what direction was it tilted or facing? How wide was it? So, if he said it was before the sun, now it's like a, that's a useless testimony. Obviously, he's wrong. That will never be true. We'll have to, again, we'll explain in a second. That would not be true. Um, but otherwise, you know they can keep going. the testimony the first guy they would bring the second guy if their testimony matched up if their words matched up uh, right, uh, then their, their testimony uh, is uh, upheld, and uh, that 's the accepted testimony, and that 's going to be the, the determination for the new month. So what do they do with the other uh, other witnesses? The other pairs of witnesses, they would ask them, like, you know, highlights, you know, Roshay varim would be like the outline, you know, headers. Not because they actually needed them. They shouldn't leave, like, feeling, like, bad. You know feeling like, you know, like oh, there's a waste of their time again Lavo that we give them at least some you know some courtesy that we bring them in and ask them some questions again it 's not totally like tricking them we don 't care at all. The idea is that you know, like, we don 't want them to feel like they wasted their time by coming because next time they might be the one the, the primary witness. And we want people to be able to come. And you never know whether witnesses, you know, let's, let's say 10 groups of witnesses come. Maybe, you know, nine of them are, doing the, are saying the wrong thing. So if you say, oh, if I, I got there and there was a tenth, I was the 10th group and, uh, you know, they didn't even ask me anything. So next time I see the moon, the moon I'm not going to come because it's going to be the same thing. 10 people will come and they're not going to see me ever. But this way, at least they, they gave everyone, everyone at least a courtesy so that they felt they would come back. Okay, the Gemara now asks, When you say before the sun, it's the same thing as to the north of the sun. So Rashi, the long Rashi and the Mishnah, tries to explain the path of the sun and the path of the moon as well. So he tries to explain like this, okay? Rashi says, in this long Rashi and the Mishnah, uh, excuse me, I'm going to repeat that. The the path of the sun is always from east to south. Okay, you normally would think east to west, but he's saying that's not a direct line. At least we observe it. It goes east, then sort of a little south. And then south to west. And from the west to north. Okay, It goes towards the south and comes back around to the north. Okay, that's point number one. Okay, so that's the way they observe the sun. Now, again, uh, that is true. Um, again, the way they understood how that happened is different from the reality, perhaps. But again, the obs- observation is pretty accurate. Okay, ba'alavana, shloshim And the moon, we should realize, cannot be seen on day 30 at all. Ella except for very close to sunset. Shahidaka because the moon is so thin and small it on but Big can't be seen while the sun is still in its might, right? When the sun is still bright out in the sky, so you can't see the, the moon because even though the moon is always there, right? We understand the moon doesn't disappear in the sun, right? The uh but when that we can see when we can see the sun, the light from the sun prevents us from seeing uh the moon. Okay. So the Gemara says, so Rashi continues and says, um, <clears throat> And the fact that the Mishnah doesn't say anything about it, to the east or to the west, So we can see from there that it wouldn't be seen in the south. I mean, that would be like the early day, early part of the day when the sun is really coming out and being strong. You wouldn't see it there. So you might have thought, and this is what the Gemara's initial thought is, that when he says before the sun, that Means like in front of the sun, meaning to the north, because again, if the sun is going towards the north, that's when you would see uh, that's in front of the sun would be to the north. Uh, would be behind the sun because that's where it goes before that. Um, the Parikh, the ask, and that's what we're seeing right now. Right but before the sun this sounds like the same as to the north because it 's not right to ask about if you're singing to the south because it doesn't make any sense So the only relevant time is to ask when both the sun and the moon are in the western part of the sky, then right, then that makes sense to ask as it before or after because. And then the South doesn't make sense why because if it would be in the south because it was in the south it can't be to the north or the south because the question of before or after doesn't make a lot of sense it's only it's only relevant when the sun is actually in the west right you can't ask about north south when something's in the north or south you have to what, the thing has to be in the west or the east. Uh, he, and if, there, if it's in the west, which we're saying it is, because that's going to be the end of the day, so that's going to be the north side, because it's going towards the north. So again, the so way Rashi explains it is that. Because of the path of the sun, uh, when the, when the Mishnah is telling us that they asked the, the witnesses, did you see before the, the moon was before or after the sun, we're assuming along the path the sun takes, so when it's going f- towards the west, because it's going to be setting in the west, and that's the only time you really would be able to see the moon anyways on this time, this time of the month. So either is, is it before to the northern side from the western perspective, or is it uh, uh, behind, meaning from the southern side? But the Gemara is saying, but those are two separate questions that they ask the witnesses. So isn't that really the same question, before or uh, or to the north? It's not really the same? So back in the Gemara, So again, before the sun and the north is the same, and behind the sun or the south, south of it is the same. So Amar Abayi explains, so they're saying, no, it's asking about the piggy mat, how, how live on. Now, the piggy ma is what we describe as like the concave side. If you think about the moon, it's going to be a crescent moon, okay? So where is the concave side, the part that's like the inside of the spoon, right? Uh, so where is that part? Is that part in front of the sun or behind the sun? And that's what it's asking. Do you got like the back of the crescent or the front of the crescent? That's the question. If you're saying it's before the chama, okay, that's open to the chama. So then, lo amar he actually said nothing. Okay, the amar Rabbi Yochanan said, my dihti, What does it mean in the pasuk It says in Yov Hamashal vaPachad Imo the rulership and the fears with him. Oseh Shalom he makes peace in his uh, heavens and his lofty places. Um, so the sun, in order to make peace among the like, celestial bodies God made it so that the sun never sees the pigima of the levana the open side of the moon and same with the uh, the open side of a rainbow or why not the open side of the levana because it becomes uh, uh, despondent Okay, we'll see in a second. Begin matashal Keshet and the open side of the of the rainbow to so Lolimro of the Hamas that the the worshippers of the sun they shouldn't say next page uh it is shooting arrows. Okay, so for the second one first to explain the uh, the uh, the rainbow one. They want. If, if, if you think about how the the crescent looks, so when an archer is shooting a bow and arrow, the open side of the bow is towards the archer. So if the open side uh, faced the sun, the open side of the, of, the, of the rainbow faced the sun, it would look like the sun is shooting arrows at people. Okay, so Rashi says on the top of the Kapta'alam and Aleph, that the sun is shooting arrows, uh, It's trying to fight against those who are heretical or, like, you know, uh, are kofers against the sun. So that's like, we don't want to have that reality where people sort of have an you know, image in their head that the sun is actually waging battle against people. Um, so that, that explains that side. Um, and I think the way we explain the other one, uh, in terms of the shalom between the Chama and the Levanat, if the Pekimat levanat, the open side of the moon, faced the sun, that would create a Chalishut uh, uh, Hadat, despondence uh, by, of the moon, that it would say, like, oh my gosh, like, look at me, I'm so tiny, and I'm looking, look, I'm looking right at the sun, and the sun looks so huge. So uh, that would be like unfair or something. Now, again, we understand. Um, in uh, that, that's not a reality, right? The moon only looks, we, we are the ones who see a small piece of the moon, but let's just go with this for a moment. Okay, but the point there is that if the sun sees sort of the back of the of the crescent of the moon, then the moon from its perspective is like, you know, appears to the sun as though it also is fully round and uh, as, uh, as powerful and as big. Uh, it's also worth noting, right, that we know that the sun is much, much, much larger than the moon. And yet, the way, the, uh, the way Hashem created the world and the way we perceive the sun and the moon is they look virtually the same size from our perspective, which is very interesting. And I'm thinking about how, the, uh, how Chazal understood and ancient people understood the relation between the sun and the moon is certainly very different than the way we understood it. Okay, we will stop here and continue, Mir Hashem, uh with the kapta Alev and tomorrow.